Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. I talk to you guys through the years a lot, and I'm going to pray and ask God for something to happen. And I make reference to, I don't know, for 30 years probably, and this was a, a point of truth and a thought that was passed on uh, to me by a, a spiritual father and mentor of mine, Pastor Jack Hayford. And, uh, and, it, and you've, you've heard me say it, but as I walked in, I went back in my office and got my printed, uh, got my printed Bible here, okay? <laughs> These Bibles, I have five or six of them, they tended to last about seven years. About the, they would wear out as I became more digitally based and I wasn't wearing out the bindings as long. I think this was the last one I purchased. And, well, I guess it's 15 years old now and I transfer notes over and whatnot. I still love a Bible for this reason. 2 Timothy 3.16. And you've heard it before. All scripture is inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16. Inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So, that the man of God, I think it says, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I don't have time to go back and re-preach the message on shame from 2 Corinthians 3. Watch and explain how shame entered the Garden of Eden and how shame is overwhelmingly one thing. Please, everyone, look at me. Everyone online, look right into whatever, your television, computer, uh, phone. Shame renders us with the feeling of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And it does it to people of faith that I am not enough. When God deals with adequacy, he doesn't say you will ever be enough because of who you are. He'll say you will be adequate three times in 2 Corinthians 3. He says your adequacy comes from the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit of God. All of you business owners listening here, listen to me. How many would love to have that consultation team show up at your front door? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, I've come to administer a level of spiritual functionality and awareness that you seem to be running from. And I want to make this opening declaration. Your adequacy doesn't come from you. Your adequacy comes from me. It is purchased by the blood of Christ and made available through the Holy Spirit. That word is mentioned three times in the passage. Only time it is is 2 Corinthians 3. That word shows up here so that the man of God may be adequate. I want you to look at the person next to you and with sincerity, normally we say these things and laugh, that if the word of truth, this got me early this morning, I don't know why all these various scriptures were there, message is done and I'm just reflecting on stuff. And that John 17 passage got me, Jeremy, when Jesus was praying, sanctify them, Father, in your word. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in truth. That is the verb form of holy. Make them holy. Make them complete, Father. Make them as they come to your word. Father, holyize them 
Whatever points of hurt and pain and insufficiency might have been theirs, whatever points of failure or brokenness may be theirs, holyize them, Father. Make them whole. Wherever they've messed up so many times in their life that it looms as a never-ending echo, failing to be ever shut down and finally quieted, Father, holyize them through your word, Lord. Holyize them. Do you Are you aware, beloved, that every time we approach the living word of God. It's an opportunity to be holyized one more time. There'll never be a moment when you quote, read, or give yourself to the Word of God that you do not have an encounter with the Spirit of God because that same John said the Word of truth and the Spirit of truth work together, bringing it to life. Can I tell you today, you stop by here today and your encounter with the Word of God is going to leave you holyized in a way that you weren't when you walked through the door. Beloved, that is the hope of subjective worship. Do you plan on being different when you walk out of the door of the church you went into on Sunday morning? It's a serious question. You don't have to answer me or answer anybody. Do you plan on it? Do you think when you drive there, Father, I'm gonna leave there different and differently than the way I arrived? Why? Because the word of God is God-breathed. You've already seen me do this, but it's been a while years probably since I brought this Bible that is this Bible. If I could animate this Bible and you could talk to this copy of this Bible and say, uh, how often has this happened to you by pastor Tom? And this Bible would say to you, I lost count after hundreds. And here's what this Bible would say, because there are occasions beloved that I just do this as an act of worship. When it says the word of God is God breathed, my mind instantly goes back to the first record we have of a breathing God. And it's when he breathed on inanimate clay in a place called Garden of Eden. And that which had no life, that which had no purpose, that which had no will, and that which had no soul, that which had no call. Suddenly it became animate life with a spirit, with a soul, with a mind, and with a will. God breathed into that dirt and it became living flesh. Animated in a way that it wasn't a few seconds before. Beloved, please get this. Do you get what had to happen at a cellular and, and, and atomic level when God breathed into dirt and dirt became a living, breathing, moving thing. Are you aware as we come into the presence of God and his word that we can say, Father, may your word be once again that which it was however long ago at the beginning of it all. When you bent a knee and over creation in a place called Eden and you pressed lips of eternity against dirt and clay and it became living being. Father, I pray today as I come and give myself to your word and as I breathe in where your word breathed out, may it be as if in this moment of worship, it's as if you're grabbing me an unconscious need of resuscitation, spirit being, that needs your lips of resuscitation pressed against mine. Breathe into my heart, breathe into my spirit, and may I walk from this place in a resuscitated, refreshed, and animated way that I did not walk in. Somebody give the Lord praise right now. Hallelujah. Oh my. Hallelujah. A month ago or however long ago, I went back and reread something I wrote last year. 
And today's sermon, if you at whatever point we parse that line and call it whatever, I was rereading this. I ended up reading it two or three times. I ended up altering some things. And rather than explain it, I think, I don't know, probably half of you in this room, like no other time in the life of this church, weren't here a year ago. It's a byproduct of a lot of things. Pandemic, just environment, culture changes, whatever. I mean, it's, it's similar. Most of the pastors I talk to, it's a funny thing. No one has a final word on it. I'm not worried uh, so much about how you got here. I am concerned that you are here and what God would do with you in this room this morning on December 5th. Last year, I read a document to you. I rarely do that. On occasions, I do. Probably three or four times a year, I feel that something needs to be spoken so concisely that uh, with specific phrases and words that I give a greater attention to following what I have on the paper. And by the way, for those of you that ask and students of Scripture who teach, typically my preparation is just literally saturating my mind and heart and soul with what it is that God's put in front of me. And then having it here, and then trying to be open to what he would do subjectively in this room as you apply it. It's Christmas. Here we go. Ready? It's Christmas. Yay. Somebody say yay. Yay. The celebration of God. Talk back to me this morning, okay? This is going to be over quicker than you think. The celebration of God being born among men. Emmanuel. God with us. In one sense, God had not been with us since the last day of the Garden of Eden. But then he, God, starts over again where where he started it all. He started again and he starts again the way he started the first time by declaring a light that shines. Genesis chapter 1. Hold on, let me get this microphone. Either the microphone has shrunk since last week or my head's grown. Do not say anything or write anything nasty on Facebook. Some of you will take that, hey, look, you can't believe what Pastor said today, and that will be what you write down. You'll go to hell. (laughs) Moving along. He started again the first the way he started the first time with a shining light. Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving on the surface of the waters. I love that, don't you? Come, come on. Is anybody aware that the first time you read about the Spirit of God in the Bible, it tells you what his desire is? Did you see that right there? And the Spirit of God was what? Do you want to know that I believe that the first descriptor we get of him in Scripture is a primary connotation, Pastor Rhea, about what the Holy Spirit wants to do when he shows up? Notice it doesn't start with saying, and the Spirit of God was standing still doing absolutely nothing. (laughs) Here's a declaration I want to make to you. 
Matter of fact, you're going to make it to the person next to you without any practice. Here it goes, all right? Look at the person next to you and say, here's one theological thing I can tell you for certain. Tell them that. If the Holy Spirit's here, he's not wanting to stand still. And you shouldn't be either. Woo, come on, somebody. Oh, my. The first place you read about him showing up, we're going to be here for a while today, aren't we? No, no, we're not. Okay. And he was, the spirit was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. I'm feeling Jesus now. I got Jamie back on the keyboard. So we really don't know what month or what time or year Jesus was born. I'm envisioning all the Googling and fact-checking going on right now. Nonetheless, I have thought how appropriate it is that Christmas ends our calendar year. Christmas effectively closes out our year on the calendar, okay, on our calendar. I love that. Just hold on to that thought. Around New Hope this year, we've given ourselves to the study of Christmas. Actually, we did a series last year called The End of Between, and I'm going to hit that again next week. Isaiah 9. Everybody say Isaiah 9. Okay, say, Isaiah 9 will be my devotional this week, all seven days. Okay, look at the person next to you and say, did you just tell the truth? Go ahead. Say, yes, every day, seven days. I'm, I'm going to read it. it. It takes a couple minutes. Just, just read it, okay? Let God speak to you. Okay, uh, I cannot escape the hope of the birth of Jesus conveyed to us by the words of the Apostle John. Hey, listen. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John chapter 1, verse 5. The word comprehend is also translated apprehend. Watch. So comprehend means I don't get something. Apprehend means I can grab it and control it. I love that. The light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. This verse is and always has been a driving force of my personal faith. The word comprehend is also translated apprehend and as in to seize control of a thing. Oh my goodness, hold that thought too. If you want this, just email me, I'll send it to you. Lori, I owe you two outlines I just discovered I hadn't sent you. Don't give up on me, okay? You see the New Testament In the New Testament, darkness is a term that represents generally, listen, the human condition, this was not in last year's letter, resulting from an absence of God's presence. Can I say that again? Darkness is the the term used to generally describe human condition absent from the presence of God. That's what that word means. Old Testament and New, the poetic connotation. Darkness will rule where God's presence is rejected. I want to say it again. That wasn't in the letter last year. Darkness will rule where God's presence is rejected. The word also represents the actions. This word also represents the actions of spiritual forces in the world. Actively and strategically working against us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Darkness does not and cannot comprehend the light. Can somebody hear me? Darkness cannot comprehend. That, when you merge these concepts, it's saying, when Jesus Christ arrived in this planet, incarnation, baby in a major, God with us, taking on flesh, the forces of darkness looked and said, I have no clue what this is about. Is that not good news? That every time you invite God to just be present in your life, you give up the, shrinking, uh, the thinking, the struggling, the over-processing, and you're saying, Father, you showed up on the face of this planet as a baby in a manger in an unlikely fashion, light that shined in darkness, penetrating darkness. Darkness didn't see it coming. Darkness didn't comprehend it. Darkness couldn't seize control of redemption or apprehend it or stop it. It was a force that threatened everything about darkness. Amen. Who needs that in your life today? Me. Darkness does not and cannot comprehend the light that lives in us and through us. But not only can darkness not comprehend it, neither can it apprehend it, control it, seize it, or stop it. The light shines. Can I just go ahead and insert this accidental reality? Darkness can try all it wants to ambush light. But it doesn't work. God said, you can ambush light, and you get to be a part of it. Darkness can try to ambush light all it wants and stop it, but it won't ever work. Can't cop. Mm. Have you ever noticed the word shines in this verse? The grammar indicates a present and ongoing act. I didn't say the light shined in darkness. As a matter of fact, you'll hear people quote that. The light shined in darkness and darkness didn't comprehend it as if it happened one time and then when it was shining 2,000 years ago, darkness couldn't do anything to stop it. But that's not the verb form. It's ongoing. It's a weird way of phrasing it. It doesn't work in English. The light shines in darkness. And darkness could not comprehend it. <laughs> They're both present tense. I love that. It says the light shines and darkness couldn't comprehend, apprehend, stop, understand. My goodness. Then John tells us the light shines in us. It shines from the inside out. You see, Jesus never said, matter of fact, thank you, Amanda. Can you read that with me off the screen? Can you read that? You're going to do it twice. Because the second time you do it, you're going to try to look back at a person next to you and make this declaration to them. I'll read it. I'll do the first time. You see, Jesus never said he would extinguish the darkness around us. He said he would shine a light from within us. Everybody get that? The darkness will be extinguished, night will be extinguished, I'll get to that, at the very end of the age. But right now in this age, darkness is going to be here. But the good news is it can't comprehend or apprehend you if you're walking by the Word of God. Oh. However, Jesus did say, if the light that is in you is darkness, behold, how great is that darkness? Allow me to reduce that statement to this next one. If there is darkness within you, then there is no hope for you to survive the darkness around you. If you think the darkness outside you is bad, if you haven't invited Christ as your Savior to the center of your life and are regularly inviting the force of that declared word to be released to your life, you're struggling against darkness by your flesh, not the Spirit, and you will not win. 
But the good news is that there was a true light which coming into this world enlightens every man. You know what I thought about this morning reading this, and, and it's not in here, and I didn't talk about it last year. That word light and enlighten is false. False means, and it's the word from which we get photo. Do you know how a photo is made? You do, April. I could, you could stand and, uh, let's see, Karen could, Diane. I could get two or three, four, five, six different people to tell us. Even in the digital world, the way that a photo is made is it captures reflections of light. In other words, a photo doesn't literally capture you inside the camera. We know that. But literally what it does is those reflections of light in all the various colors, a little thing flashes open, boom, just nanosecond. And it shoots and it captures that light reflection. And you know what they call it? A negative. It's captured on a negative. (laughs) I've often thought of the beauty of that poetry. Did you know it is the heart of God to indelibly burn the image of himself on my heart? And he says, I don't care how much negativity you bring. I love the way that 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 camera technology language just sort of fell into place and services yet another point of declared theology where light is concerned. God said, I'm that force of light reflecting my highest hope and holiness for you. And if you'll just flash your soul open for a second, boom, and allow me to burn indelibly that image on your soul, the quality of life that you live is going to go way up. I'm desire watch. I'm desiring to give a snapshot of me right on your soul. How would you like that, Julian? How'd you like to walk out on the way home and say, bro, you don't only have that long Jesus hair going on. I think you're starting to look more about like him from the inside out. You'd faint and run off the road if she said that, right? Okay, try to recover. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on. Where'd I leave off? However, Jesus said, say the light that is, okay, I got that. Uh, this light is Jesus Christ, and he, and as a child of God, this light, Jesus, is in you. He is in you. The light is in you. The light is in you. In you. In you. In the military, they have night vision goggles that enable them to see into the darkness. The goggles, even back in my day of special ops, which was when dinosaurs roamed the earth, They still had night optics, Mark. Do you believe that? That long ago. We're talking almost 50 years ago. They've had night vision for a long time. It is so advanced right now. It is so stinking cool. But let me tell you about that real quickly, okay? These goggles function because of what's inside the goggles. Do you understand that the goggles don't change the quality of the darkness? In other words, they don't distribute goggles and say, here, put on... That's not going to pour down my face, is it? Is it tight? Put on these goggles. Goggles, I got. And the moment you put them on, the lights are going to come on. That's not how it works. These goggles work because of what's going on inside the goggles. That enables the bearer and wearer to see into the darkness. Jesus said, the light is in you. Do you understand what that does to the darkness around you? See, because in darkness you can't see. Not a child of God. Not for a child of God. So I'm navigating this just fine. Well, why is that? Because I'm not depending on the light out there. I'm depending on the light inside me to illumine the darkness around me. 
See, so too, listen to me. Too many are looking for light out there to fix your marriage. Light out there that comes from culture. And if I just had this, beloved, what's going to fix your marriage and make your soul whole is a light shining from the inside out, not the outside in. It's not out there. It's right here. He says, and I put that light in you. Look at the person next to you. Turn your head a little bit sideways and, and sort of cocky and arrogant and say, hey, come on, say, hey, sorry. You got night goggles. Look back at him and say, yeah, I know they're the coolest thing ever. Now, what happens when people with night goggles show up? I'm just going to skip ahead in this letter on purpose. Here's the deal for me. Until the return of Jesus at the end of the age, dark darkness will be around us, and that is a reality. But this year, last year I wrote 2020, 2021, seems to have presented us with a broad blanket of darkness that seems to somehow enhance all the other darknesses, making it worse. I mean, that's all the talk. This year was the great resignation. Like no time in U.S. history, really Western history, did people just show up and say, I'm resigning. I don't want to work anymore. I've read the reports and studies on why. There's two primary reasons, they allege. The smaller of the two is greed because, you know, they can receive a check or whatever, but that's not the biggest one. The biggest one reported is burnout. Burnout. And now we're at a time where all-time high, they're raising salaries, minimum wage, all of this, and people, for whatever reason, still aren't going to work. And they said something, somehow the great resignation, the, the catalyzed the reality of, wait a minute, they got locked inside their home and understood that the place they should have been most connected, they weren't. And everything they're doing out there to try and secure peace in here wasn't working. And being forced away from that reality and locked into this one gave them an understanding subconsciously of just how lacking this one was. And they began to change their values. Many homes, smaller this, smaller that. Why? Oh, beloved. Wish I could talk a lot more about this. It's going on right now. People are even beginning. It is... People are saying, oh, it's a bad time for the church. There's never been another mo better moment for the church of Jesus Christ. People have allowed culture, pandemic, and everything else to look out and around in their life, and they say, ain't no light out there, and not over there. And I thought that used to be light, and it's not. Matter of fact, there's, there's darkness everywhere. And then enter the church. A light shined in darkness that darkness could not comprehend and you can't comprehend it, and you can't apprehend it, but it's yours, shining from the inside out. God has a set of night vision goggles ready for you to strap on the eyes of your heart and see the possibilities of what may come tomorrow. That's the light that shined in the world. In all this, here's what I've also seen. For unbelievers, the light shines and nothing seems to be able, for, excuse me, for believers, <laughs> the light shines and nothing seems to be able to stop it. Now, I'm reading this from last year's time reference. I didn't tell you the names last year. This year, I will. Two weeks ago, I stood at the bedside of a woman, a wife, a mother, facing the unexpected darkness and uncertainty. They normally sit over here. I'm looking to see if they're here this morning. They're watching online. I don't see. Chip, are you here somewhere? Lori? No, other Chip. We got more than one, okay? Two weeks ago, I stood beside a, of a, a bedside of a woman, a wife and a mother, 
facing the unexpected darkness and uncertainty of liver cancer. As she awoke from nearly eight-hour surgery, Brenda and I were in Nashville to see them at Vanderbilt Hospital. As she woke from a nearly eight-hour surgery, she spoke through a very present physical pain, tubes coming out of every orifice. Oh, goodness, it was swollen from the surgery. Through the physical pain, her words were resolute and her faith unmoved. Looking into the eyes and hearing the voice, I could see and hear the light shines. To those who reason from a point of darkness, the fact that her first words were to worship and thank God, demons of hell can't even comprehend that. Girl, what are you doing praising God? See, darkness still can't comprehend your next act of light. <laughs> Girl, what are you doing praising God? You have liver cancer. You've just been through this. You, you know, they said they couldn't even get all of it. That's all right. One year later, Lori Chipley has zero evidence of cancer in her body. The light still shines. They don't all end that way, but it doesn't affect the light. Watch. Only days ago, I looked into the tear-filled eyes of a daughter whose aged father had died only minutes before from the virus that seems to have cast its own shadow of darkness these last couple of years. I listened to her words as she rejoiced through her tears, and her dad was not only with the Lord, but her mom. If God ever starts speaking and saying something, please let me know. I will shut down. I, I don't know if that was him back there that I just heard, but we will see. I listened to her words as she rejoiced through her tears that her dad was not only with the Lord, but with her mom, and that he was now experiencing unimaginable joy. That same joy seemed to shine from her face in that very moment. I'm talking about none other than the precious lady standing here leading worship, who is the gatekeeper for all of the business and administration around here, and that's Debbie Jackson who last year, her parents passed away. Later, toward the end of the year, her father. And as she stood there with tear-filled eyes and genuine... Please hear me, because there are some of you sitting here, some of you are watching and saying, oh yeah, that's just sort of that faith concession. Faith concession, yeah, sort of conceding, you know, trying to put frosting on something that just stinks. You know what I mean? No, that's not what's happening. That's becoming an awareness, because I've got one that I'm going to insert extemporaneously, if you will. The light just shines. To others, they would look at Debbie Jackson and say, you're living in denial. She goes, no, you can't comprehend what I have apprehended <laughs> and by whom I have been apprehended. Within the last month, I listened to a young man wrestle aloud with his emotions only hours after his father had tragically ended his own life. I stood amazed as this young warrior, who I believe to probably have a pastoral call on his life as I just watched, I stood amazed as he spoke words of wisdom that were way beyond his years and through a clenched jaw of faith, and then made the determination that the darkness that tormented his father and assisted in him ending his life 
would not consume the sun. Mason, just stand up. I didn't put anybody else on the spot. I'll pick on you because you're young enough to be my grandson, so I'll pick on you. Now, I don't know, but you look at that, that. Does God speak to anybody with a man bun? I mean, you have to ask that question. Is that possible? And let, yet, let me tell you something. Within hours, not days, as far as we're leaving you standing, I want them to see you. I watched this precious young man who has navigated a path of faith since he's been a child here. Much of the time coming here was on his own. Sometimes his dad did come with him for a season of time. But he came first with his sister, grew up at New Hope Church, fought through darkness right there, grew up right here. He's been here longer than many of you and not was that big when he came. This is the young man that's grown in discipleship, stood next to you in worship, looked hell in the face and say, darkness may have sought to try and lie to my father and rob him about his own significance and who he could and couldn't be in his life. And there may have been a momentary failing when darkness broke through. But he says, I want to declare to you that you will not rule my life. You will not dictate my tomorrow. You will not have the grip that gripped my father. That's that, that's that boy's testimony within hours. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Thank you, son. <laughs> I wrote about him. The light shines. To those in whom the light does not abide, this kind of response makes no sense. All three of these precious followers of Christ have a strange kind of night vision. <laughs> it's still dark around them, but what it is, but it is what is inside that has made it all work. I'm going to insert something here because this year is now advanced and I'm going to end in a moment that says we don't know what 2021 will hold. Well, now we do. And just weeks ago, I stood at the bedside of Precious elder, sister, Sandy, we've watched people disappear from among us this year. And I watched this woman, matter of fact, this same year my mother went home to be with the Lord. And I didn't think I would ever see anyone more greatly embrace the possibility of going to heaven than my own mother. And I don't mean to compare the two, I only mean it in this way. Mom was 93, 4, 4, yeah, and no, almost 95, and went home to be with the Lord, and, and a year before, she said she's ready to be with the Lord and all of that, and then as we got to the end, you know, she was out of it coming and going, but Sandy, fully conscious, with her husband Mike standing at the end of the bed, were sitting in their days, she said, I want to talk to my pastor, so Brenda and I came by and we talked, and the two of them standing there, these were not just faith words for mechanics and motion. It was not just, oh, well, it didn't work out the way we want. These two people standing there, Mike at the end of the bed, shaking his head. He said, when Sandy says, listen, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've done everything we know God's word to say. Watch this. Now it's in his hands. It appears as though I'll be going to see him soon. 
smiling, fully cognizant, tears of a mix of joy and something else in her eyes and on Mike. And Mike says, we're at peace with it. What's wrong with them? Nobody's at peace with that. That was all fake. It wasn't real. No, beloved, it was real. I absolutely crumbled watching them. I just couldn't stop. There was something going on. There was a light shining from in them, shining out around them. And although it seemed the darkness would crush them, it couldn't comprehend and couldn't apprehend Mike and Sandy Ogle. It couldn't grab them and squeeze the hope and the truth and the power of eternity out of it because God says that light may extinguish here, but it will never go out where you're headed. And I don't mean the light of faith. You, you get it. Oh, I have seen the loss of, I have seen the darkness of lost health and the light shines. I've seen the darkness of unexpected death and the light shines. I've seen the darkness of social unrest and the light shines. I've seen the darkness of political uncertainty and the light shines. I've seen the darkness from a pandemic that threatens the world with an uncertain future and yet the light still shines. Darkness can't comprehend it. Darkness doesn't apprehend it. The light doesn't flinch, flex, or flicker. The light just shines. The burning light of the burning bush is still am the I am. It can't be comprehended, apprehended, and certainly not extinguished. This is the light who is, who was, and who is to come. And at the very end of the age, at the close of your Bible in the last chapter, watch what it says. And there will no longer be any night or darkness. And they will not have need of a light or of a lamp or of the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and will reign forever and ever and ever. At the end of it all, here's what I comprehend about this. There will come a time when darkness will indeed be extinguished and the only thing that will remain as the constant is this. The light shines. In fact, there is only one sure and certain forever we can count on. That is the light shines. You have a microphone? You have glasses? Good, come here and help me. You preach better than me anyways. Everybody here knows it. Get up here quick. <laughs> okay, stand on that first step. I'm gonna stand down here. I'm gonna hold this paper. I want you to read those first couple lines and get your spirit primed. Just glance at it for a minute. She's glancing. The spirit is hovering over the face of my paper. Go. Darkness never could comprehend it, and it never will. Darkness never could apprehend it, and it never will. The light just shines, and it always will. So as I said earlier, Christmas comes at the end of our year, providing us an annual opportunity to look back across the landscape of the year behind um. us. And what we are guaranteed to find is to look is that no matter how much darkness encroached on our life in any situation or any circumstance, the light still shines. And no matter, no matter, no matter what darkness may be ahead of us in 2022, Let's say it together. The light, light. still shines. We stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. 
For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.